Part 15, Winning. In these United States of America, and our sibling Canada, sports dynasties are like sandwich shops. They're everywhere. The sheer volume is the ironic thing about dynasties. They blend the rare and exceptional to become commonplace. One of America's little-known sports dynasties was a broomball team sponsored by the Little Wagon Restaurant and Buzz's Barber Shop in Minneapolis. For non-Northerners, broomball is a game of Canadian origin invented by people who couldn't skate or handle a puck, so they dipped brooms in rubber to turn them into mallets, then threw a miniature soccer ball out on a rink to create a flat-footed version of hockey. Our team had its origins at Augsburg College, then evolved to competitive status as the Pilots Club Bar, where we took third in state one year, then the next, defeated legendary Fred's Tire of St. Paul for Minnesota supremacy. One championship, however, does not a dynasty make. The wagon's fabled status was achieved by winning the championship of the Minneapolis Senior Men's Outdoor Recreational League South Division every year from 1982 through 99. The post office squad threatened our run a couple of times. The snow never interrupted their appointed rounds, but let's just say we redefined gloom of night for them at a rink on one of the city's notorious lakes. The greatest threat to our empire came from the Rosen Brothers of the Cedar Inn 3.2 Beer and Burger Bar. In our last year of competition, they recruited two lines of youthful ringers from the tavern and were within 10 minutes of dethroning us. Score was 2-1 to one when one of the little knotheads gooned me from behind. My teammate gooned the kid in retaliation, and after a miniature melee of boy men and four layers of clothing slipped sliding into hog piles, the ref declared the game no contest by walking to the parking lot and driving away. It didn't make the sports page. Our nation's structure of youth association and high school conferences offers easy access to extracurricular activities. Between schools and community centers, it's hard for 90% of America's youth to get more than 20 minutes from a chance to do something other than loiter or gape at a cell phone. But the playgrounds are usually empty, the gymnasium's quiet, We've somehow made the latter more attractive than character-building competition, performance, creation, or human interaction. Middle-class go-getters who love to win don't do much to help. The helicopter parents who vicariously want to see their kid's name on a Division I roster sheet send them to traveling club teams with innocuous names like East Metro Thunder or North Central Storm. The local squads either disappear or are reduced to bland exercises of mostly clumsy kids. Lower income neighborhoods are the opposite. Parents are too busy or detached to umbrella their kids. When the right leader arrives at the right place and time, dynasty programs pop up to fill the voids. In Minnesota, our most notable academy of elite athletics is Shattuck St. Mary's School, the Hogwarts of hockey, a place that, quote, is to hockey what Harvard is to law." Unquote. The school's alumni boasts a laundry list of NHL players who have won 26 national boys and girls high school level championships since 1999. International recruiting excludes them from in-state competition. Consequently, 
To the general public, there's nothing charming or compelling about their success. I'm not criticizing them. Shattuck St. Mary's is a great school, and the truly elite need places to hone their skills alongside worthy adversaries. There's not much sport or challenge when a gifted kid scores nine goals a game against a wannabe, as Dave Venables used to do to me. Dave never went to the traveling team, but eventually ended up on another little-known dynasty, Bucks Unpainted Furniture, who won a dozen or so national championships in senior amateur hockey. Minnesota has a plethora of overachieving sports fiefdoms beyond the elite prep academies. With 187 state championships, Edina is our juggernaut. Both the boys and girls are gold standards for hockey, but nothing compared to their lesser known but incredible girls tennis team that has 37 state championships in 42 years. Their run-of-the-mill boys only have 24. The Apple Valley dance team has 15 titles in 45 years, the wrestlers 25, and every grappler from Anoka to Shakopee knows the dynasty towns of Canby and Staples. Eden Prairie is the force in big school football, and nostalgia runs deep for past hockey powers from Eveleth, Rosso, and South St. Paul, who owned their corners of the state for a decade or two. International Falls won 59 hockey games in a row in the 1960s and lost only six games in five years. The Grand Meadow Basketball Girls of 1929-39 to lifted the economically depressed spirits of the southern Minnesota prairie town by winning 94 games without a loss. The lads of picturesque Caledonia have won 11 small school football titles in the last 15 years, and the St. Paul Governors historically known as a hockey school, have reigned supreme in girls' badminton for nine consecutive years. Minnesotans also see waves of dominance in swimming and diving, skiing, and in the specialized realm of adapted athletics. Every state in the Union has their dynasties, some in professional sports, but they're covered ad nauseum. My vicarious spirit has followed teams away from home but near to my heart. For years, the Carthage Blue Boys down near the farm in Illinois brought state championship hardware back to town to replace the steel rails of the train tracks that were being hauled away. In my wife's Missouri hometown, Pete Adkins and the Jeff City Jays gave me the show-me state one more reason to be wary of the capital city by winning 10 football crowns in 21 years. On a very local level, two doors down, was neighbor and broomball teammate, Special Tim McGlinch. We gathered regularly in his garage to watch Minnesota go for hockey, yet another one-time dynasty that once drew the ire of hockey fans from Boston to Fairbanks, Alaska. Garage hockey watching on a January night in Minnesota is not for the faint of heart. Tim would draw a martini glass in the frost on the window that I could see from our porch. This was his game-on bat signal. He's an A1 uncertified mechanic who had a built-in lift and every tool needed for standard auto repair and maintenance. Special Tim's pretty good auto service also had scale-sized banners for every Gopher National Championship and runner-up, courtesy of Roger, the garage's unofficial historian. 
A typical winter night would see the nails that had poked through the sidewalls tipped with white frost. Bob would share tales of his appearance in the state tournament, and Charlie would tell us all to get over ourselves if discussions got heated enough to melt the frost off the nails. Off-season garage sessions needed a theme, so we called ourselves a book club, not the assigned reading group discussion type. We just talk about things we learned from books. I got the tip to read All Over But the Shouting by Rick Bragg in Tim's Garage and was enlightened to the Heisenberg Principle. It was no surprise when the garage-approved best reading referral came from Roger, who introduced the book Genghis Khan and the Making of the Modern World. Talk about a dynasty. The Khan set the standard for domination that progressed down through the ages and onto a tennis court in Edina. He had the biggest, meanest, and most broad-minded empire ever. The Mongol hordes were ruthless, but they gave soon-to-be-conquered rivals the opportunity to surrender and became trading partners within the Silk Road network, as well as religious freedom. Genghis believed the spirit of the big blue sky commanded a realm above and beyond those on earth. His intuitions and philosophies were remarkable and evolved independent of Middle Eastern and Western thought, places that we too often teach to be the only hub of human transformation. The Mongolians of the 1200s came long after the Egyptians of 3100 BC who invented the concept of dynasty and kicked off a 5,000 year run that has produced at least 50 empires throughout the world. Alexander the Great had his Macedonians, Hannibal the Carthaginians, and Sitting Bull the Sioux. There were Romans, Byzantines, and Russians, not just the hockey team. Prussians, French, British, and Ottomans. In the long-term rivalry department, we have Islam and the Holy Romans. Our pond-based dynasty on behalf of a bar and a barber shop was my apex of athletic achievement. In high school and college, me and the buddies settled for signature wins surrounded by demoralizing losses. A signature win is a competitive game in which an underachieving team plays to its potential and defeats a team they're not supposed to beat without a bunch of lucky bounces or quirky plays. This is not to be confused with the moral victory, where a subpar team plays well and doesn't get crushed as bad as people thought they would. At Augsburg College, our football team wrote its signature at St. John's University's homecoming game in 1980 when I was a sophomore. We played near flawless football in the 21-10 victory over the regional dynasty that has a million conference titles and were best in the country three times. The Division III Heisman Trophy is named for their legendary coach, John Gags Gallardi. I had one assisted tackle on a kickoff in the game. Probably wasn't a part of Gag's pregame scouting report. Five years earlier, in 1975, the Rosemont High School freshman football team was 8-0 and recognized as an emerging powerhouse. We split to form a sister school in Apple Valley the next year, and our team was cut at least in half. In 1978, by game number eight of our nine-game senior schedule, we were 2-5 and five with no playoff hopes 
and Minneapolis Edison coming to town. The Tommies played in the state's toughest conference, were undefeated, and ranked number one in Minnesota's top class, AA. Rosemont was a small school, Class A, and one of the guys overheard a teacher, an assistant coach no less, give up 40 points in a bet against us. We had hopes for a moral victory, though. Our quarterback, Ralph Pavick, would eventually be named All-State, and Randy Fashion and Dan Ryan were coming off the injured list. Ryan was playing his first game and could have been All-State as well had he played all year. Long story short, and lo and behold, on Saturday morning, the Star Tribune sports page led with the headline, Class A Rosemount upsets number one Edison. We had our signature win, with Ryan and Pavick leading the way. 35 years later, in 2014, the game was remembered in a halftime ceremony at Rosemount Stadium. Lou Gehrig's disease had claimed our Dan Ryan, and we arranged an ALS ice bucket fundraiser as the focal point of the festivities. As fate would have it, one of the captains of the 78 Edison team, Gary Randall and I, met for the coin toss at Rosemount in 78, then again as teammates at Augsburg. Gary and his co-captain, Jim Wentland, graciously agreed to come back to the cornfield to participate in the ceremony. You're not getting away this time, they declared as they doused Ralph with an icy bucket of water to the roar of a crowd that was, 35 years earlier, a mortal foe. The event wrapped up with photos of the participants along with the entire Ryan family that included two of Dan's brothers who were all state athletes and Father Jack who owned the largest business in town and sported a snazzy RHS lettered sweater from the 1940s. The Ryans were Rosemount's dynasty family. Despite the rare and exceptional requirement, building a local sports dynasty is no mystery. The formula could be written on a bathroom wall, well, posted on social media. Find a passionate mentoring coach willing to work for moderate pay who will teach life fundamentals as synonymous with extracurricular success, preaches aggressiveness in competition and humility elsewhere, and begins the lessons in kindergarten. That's it. Life is simple. Work hard for a long time. Respect your resources and others. Avoid temptation, avarice, and envy. Simple. When playtime is over, the Apple Valley wrestlers and International Falls skaters will join the Grand Meadow gals and the recreational man boys of the Little Wagon Broomball team. We'll follow Alexander, Cleopatra, and the great Khans, whose domain once stretched from Seoul to Sarajevo. We're all part of the same dynasty, one that always has been and ever shall be.